Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 149 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is all about making time to make bold moves in your life and in your career. If I can take you down memory lane to the early days of the pandemic, right, I know you probably don't want to go there and for good reason. The pandemic put unique stresses on women, with many quitting or downsizing their roles, shifting to part-time, in order to adjust to schools being closed and kids being at home. With all of these major changes, Today's guest knew that we needed a new playbook for success, so she decided to write that playbook. Her name is Shauna Hawking, and she's one of my favorite internet friends. You know those people that you somehow came across on Instagram and just clicked with? Well, thanks to the miracle of the interwebs, Shauna and I have been connected for a while, and I have been astounded and inspired by her philosophies and the way that she structures her life and business. Plus, she's so incredibly motivating and encouraging. So let me introduce you to Shauna Hawking. Shauna is a leadership consultant, philanthropic advisor, and keynote speaker with 20 years of experience raising hundreds of millions of dollars and leading large teams at organizations such as the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, University of Alabama, and Duke University. Her clients include universities, national nonprofit organizations, global businesses, and family foundations. Shauna's articles have been published in Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, Huffington Post, Motherly, and Forbes. And her expertise has been featured in Entrepreneur, Insider, American Express Business Insights, Thrive Global, and more. In today's conversation with Shauna, she shares what exactly it means to make one bold move a day. She'll tell us how to get out of hyper-productivity mode and how to know if you're in hyper-productivity mode. You'll hear why giving yourself permission to just be is so important. And plus, we'll talk about how to adapt a progress mindset. During our conversation, you'll hear us excitedly mention her book, One Bold Move a Day. And I'm so excited to cheer Shauna on because writing a book and putting it out into the world is no small feat. Plus, you'll be obsessed with her message once you meet her in this episode. I want to make it easy for you. So head straight to abouttimepodcast.com forward slash bold to grab your own copy of Shauna's book, One Bold Move a Day. And I know you've got a lot on your plate. And you might be listening to this episode while you're running errands or running laps, folding laundry or getting dressed, and you're not exactly able to jot down notes when you hear something you want to remember. But don't worry, I've taken notes so you don't have to. You can find all of the productivity tools and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 149. And with that, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. 
You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hi, Shauna, and welcome to It's About Time. I'm so excited to talk with you today. How are you doing? I'm delighted to talk with you too. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this. Yes, yes. So Shauna and I have been... uh, Gosh, we became Instagram friends. Um, I don't even remember when. And to me, that's just one of the delights of Instagram, even though social media can get such a bad rap sometimes. Um, whenever relationships like this form and connections happen, just some really, some really beautiful things can happen as a result. I agree. When we put ourselves out there and are willing to see what we can do with it, we can make some really special connections. It is. And especially with people from um, from just all over the country and all over the world, because I'm down here near New Orleans and you're located in Philadelphia suburbs. Yes. Yes. So it's just so fun to be able to get to know people from all over the place. So Shauna, uh, I gave your official bio and all of the details about you in the intro, but I would love to know, tell us in your own words, how do you spend your time these days? Oh, so when I think about time and how I spend it, you know, in terms of my my work, I am a leadership consultant and philanthropic advisor, and I do keynote speaking. And of course, I'm an author, which is a funny thing to call yourself. So I spend a lot of my time writing and working with clients and helping them to fulfill their potential personally and professionally. I really love working with teams and individuals, and that can that can take up a lot of time. Uh, and you know, with my family, you know, I have a 13 year old son. My husband and I have you know very proud of him, and so trying to keep up with him and his activities, and um, spending time together as a family. Oh, I love that. So you have your 13 year old son and your husband. Tell me what kind of fun things you guys do together as a family. So family meals are really important to us. Um, we have uh, breakfast and dinner together just about every day unless I'm traveling for work and or, you know, even after a soccer practice, we do really make it a priority. So that that's a very um, focused family time that happens and we look forward to that. Our Sabbath meals are particularly important to us and that's a special family ritual every Friday night. And then... Um, we spend a lot of time at soccer games, <laughs> you know, watching him on the field. And we all really like music. And so we talk a lot about music. And when we can get him to, we like to play card games as a family. It used to be something he did as a kid, but we're still making him as a teenager still do that with us. <laughs> Forced family fun. Yes. Yeah. Teenagers, uh, they have their own ideas about how to spend their time. Yeah. Well, my three-year-old has her own ideas about how she wants to spend her time too, but they're probably very different ideas. Yes. Although some days they might feel similar. <laughs> that is, that's so funny. Yeah, we're really start just starting to get into the activities with her. We had her first dance class was last night and trying to navigate spending time and doing you know, just all of the different activities. It just feels like a new frontier, but you're like 
a, a pro at it by now. <laughs> well, I often say to parents with younger children that it just gets uh, differently hard or differently mm-hmm. easier in terms of balancing time. Um, you know, when when they're little and they need you for every single thing, you're yes. you're pulled in many directions. And so, obviously, an older child is a bit more self sufficient, um, but they need you in different ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the schedules only just add more activities, and mm-hmm. and that just puts more demands on your time too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, definitely. But it's a lot of fun along the way. Oh my gosh, yes. A lot of fun. You have to have fun in the journey mm-hmm. <laughs> and find people you can talk about it with. <laughs> oh my goodness. Absolutely. Having a close group of friends that you can just learn from and share stories and uh, send pictures of random rashes back and forth as you're trying to figure out, what, what is this? Is this... <laughs> It's good because I have several uh, mom <laughs> friends in my group who are physicians. Oh. So like anything you ever needed. I'm like, I don't know if I can help you with fundraising and leadership advice, but mm-hmm. I'm here if I can. <laughs> I, I love that. So, okay. So speaking of fundraising and leadership advice, what exactly does it mean to be a leadership consultant? Mm. So I spent 20 years as a fundraiser and team leader and you know, globally recognized larger nonprofits um, and universities. And uh, I loved it. It was my calling. I found my career at age 18, and uh, I was doing exactly what I was meant to do. And then uh, the pandemic, you know, changed all of us in many Mm -hmm. ways. And there were some things that I think came out of it that were positive if we were able to see them. And for me, it was a realization that uh, we are more than our jobs or our titles. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I started to think about what what was important to me has has evolved. And um, learning is always important to me. So in January of 2022, I took a leap and went on on my business full time. And it was not something that I'd really ever envisioned doing. And um, so today, instead of working with one single organization, I'm working with many organizations and also working with, with companies and then families and their foundations. So they bring me in to help solve whatever their biggest challenges are and be a thought partner with them. And so some days that looks like giving a workshop or facilitating a retreat or doing individual coaching. And then other days, it's creating plans and doing 150,000 person surveys and um, trying things I've really never tried before, but have been exposed to. And it's one of those things where um, you're learning something new every day. And that's what I value in it so much. Mm-hmm. It sounds, it just sounds like a lot of fun. And maybe that's just from my perspective, because I just love the idea of getting in, having the opportunity to jump in and solve problems with, yes. with other people. And I can see, so we're, we have a video chat as you're listening right now. And I can just see like Shauna's eyes are lighting up. Like, yes, like, yes, let's <laughs> solve the problems. Um, so you also are a keynote speaker. How yeah. did you, how did you start speaking? Tell me about that. Well, I was in musical theater as a kid, and like it was a very important part of my life uh, when I was in, you know, elementary, middle school, and high school. And so I do love being on a stage. But what I do love the most is teaching and learning with other people. And so putting those two things together, um, I've been very fortunate to be on small stages and big stages, and sometimes in classrooms and sometimes in auditoriums. Um, and you know, people. People need extra motivation and extra inspiration. They they know how to do what they're doing in many cases, mm-hmm. but they need the reminder that they're not alone and that they um, that they're doing good things. And so, I think that's what I enjoy the most about the keynote speeches and uh, doing that for lots of different companies and organizations. And I know I love seeing all the different places that you're talking to and breaking into keynote speaking can be challenging. Uh, but if you 
if you want to help serve others truly in this way, then there are lots of different tips you can explore and just getting started and then seeing where it grows from there. And that's half the battle sometimes is just getting started, right? <laughs> For everything. <laughs> How did you get started in your speaking? Oh, goodness. I participated in my very first speaking competition when I was in fifth grade. So if we want to throw it all the way back, I won a civic oration competition in fifth grade talking about the forest industry in my hometown. And I was completely surprised that I won. And, you know, one of the most important things about competition or events like that when you're growing up is the confidence that comes from it. And so here I was in fifth grade, I won this speaking award and thought, oh, I'm good at this. Let's keep doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, so fast forward, I continued speaking all through middle school and high school in competitions in the state and um, nationwide. And I knew that I wanted to be involved in speaking some way. I was a speech writer for so many of my political clients and was gradually just invited to speak to a junior league chapter and my own junior league organization in New Orleans. And they asked me to speak about time management. Huh. And Great. Look at you that now. Was, that was just <laughs> the beginning. Like, really? You want me to speak about time management? Mm -hmm. Amazing. And here, and here we are now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. Thank you for you, sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. You do. You never know when when something is going to spark your next big idea. Um, and that was definitely one of those very important sparks that happened along the way. And speaking of sparks, uh, you are an author. You have <laughs> written a an entire book, which just is momentous. <laughs> That is, Thank that you is, for celebrating that, is, that together. That is huge. Uh, and, you know, as you and I have cultivated our friendship over Instagram, I've been able to see the different phases and stages of your of your authorship journey. Um, so but but my first question is, did you always know that you wanted to write a book? Yes, I did. I, I did most certainly. In that same age range you were talking about for your oration competition, <laughs> you know, I thought I was going to be a writer when I yeah. grew up. And then, you know, like every kid, you kind of come up with lots of different things that you want to do. Um, but then I found my dream career at age 18. And so that really gave me this, this path that I followed for majority of my life. Mm -hmm. And um, so writing became something I did at work and I enjoyed doing that when I worked with donors and being able to help them see the story of what they could do with their philanthropy. Uh, but it wasn't something I was doing until about six years ago when, maybe a little longer, when LinkedIn kind of started doing that blogging push for the mm -hmm. first time. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll try this. And I was so nervous to share on that platform. And then once I did and I got this really positive response, it reignited my interest in writing. And I started to remember that that dream that I'd had for a long time, but I kept it quiet mm -hmm. um, for many years. So, uh, but it is a lifelong dream that I've had. I think most authors feel that way. It is. I I, I agree with you. I think it's something that is just, it's just there. Um, when I was in fourth grade, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't We're mean throwing for, it back. Like I real, don't mean real. for this to be the Anna in elementary show. I swear, but I started <laughs> writing a book about these two sets of twins that were brothers and sisters. And I was like, I'm definitely going to write a book one day. This is my book. Uh, and so it, it's just really funny to see the dreams of our childhood actually become reality. 
well, that takes a lot of work on both of our parts to be able to do that. And I, um, and I think that it's a wonderful recognition that when you commit to what's important to you and you keep pursuing it, no matter what anyone else might say or un- unintentionally get in that in the way of that path, that uh, there's a lot of wonderful things possible. Yes, a lot of wonderful things are possible. So, Shauna, you are a leadership consultant. You're working with so many different clients, helping them solve problems. You are speaking on stages, big, small, in person, in virtual, uh, sharing your message, sharing your motivation, your inspiration. And you have captured uh, your um, amazing message into a book that you'll be sharing with us very soon. But before we dive into the details of that book, I've got to know, How exactly do you do all of these things and still have such quality time with your family? How do you do life? Give us us your (laughs) secret. Okay. Well, you know, there's some days where it doesn't really feel like I'm doing life very well. So first, I just want to say we're all human. (laughs) That's all of us. Right? All of us. I've tried many different methods to help Mm -hmm. figure this out. Over, you know, throughout my life, there was like the pieces of paper everywhere and the post-it notes everywhere. The method that's worked best for me as I've, you know, seen all the things that were important to me that I wanted to focus on, um, I use my calendar as my to-do list. So um, in addition to having a time slot on there for our conversation today, um, I also have, if I need to send an email to a client or I will block out 15 minutes to follow up on the proposal from another client. And if I need to walk the dog, that has to go onto the calendar. If Mm -hmm. I need to pick up from school, that has to go onto the calendar. And for some people, they can look at that and think, my gosh, that's just so many things. But what it does is says if it doesn't fit on that time calendar, then it's not going to happen. And it's also a recognition. If I look at it and there's 45 different time slots on one day, it's probably not realistic what needs to be moved. Mm -hmm. And I'm very conscientious that if something doesn't get done, then I'm going to be able to proactively move it to another day. So I don't lose track of that like I used to with a to-do list. Mm -hmm. And we keep adding all these other things and it's just not possible to do everything. So this helps me focus on what I call my best and highest use of time. I'm a big believer in that phrase. And I also use a um, what I call the prioritization matrix. And it's based on the Stephen Covey model of where you focus your time. And I talk about this in the book, really focusing on that best and highest use of time and helping to clarify how I understand what things are in that category. Oh, that is fantastic. And I, I, I love that you just put everything on your calendar because you're right. We can lose things in that transition from the to-do list to how we actually spend our time. That, and I like to say that a to-do list without time blocks is just a wish list because (laughs) unless you actually have like a realistic amount of time to do all of these things, they're just, they're not going to happen. And having that finite amount of time in a day, in a week to to make the puzzle pieces fit in, realistically sized puzzle pieces at that, yes. to make the puzzle pieces fit in, that's how you end your day feeling like you've knocked everything off of your list is when you have actual time allotted for it. Right. Otherwise, I love that you just said it. It's a wish list. And then We just feel terrible about it at the end, which is not really the purpose. The purpose is to feel great about what we have been able to do and to refocus and reshift. And and so uh, I'm going to use that wish list. Please. I like that. (laughs) Please do. That's why I like a ta-da list so much. (laughs) 
whenever I, I, and I learned that phrase from Lelia Gowland, who was on the podcast uh, a long time ago, I'll have to find the episode and link to that in the show notes. But she talked about having a to-do list where uh, at the end of each day, you write down the things that you did. Uh, because so often we end up accomplishing things that weren't necessarily on our to-do lists uh, because either they popped up and we didn't get to check them off. And so by having that to-do list, you actually get to see, oh, look at all the things I did. Uh, That was especially helpful for me after I had my first child, making that transition of what productivity meant to me, what it looked like, my time use, priorities. And I felt like I'm just not getting anything done because comparatively, you know, pre- pre-motherhood, mm-hmm. I could get 37 things done in one day. But now yes. with a newborn, you get maybe two done. But you are so proud of those two. And so I celebrated those two things that I would get done each day. I love that. Well, I think it's really important. And I do think that um, the other key for me being able to get all these things done is that I outsource as much as I can Ooh. and I drop the ball on the rest. So let's okay. be just real that like um, pre-pandemic, I had a, a household manager who worked with us. My my husband and I worked very hard to be co-parents mm-hmm. um, and really try to do everything around the house as much as we can together or our family activities together. Uh, when I was working for other organizations, my husband was the primary parent. He was the one who was the default for school pickups and other things, which made it possible for me to have the career that I did. And um, I would hire people if I could, or I would trade services with other people in order to get the household things done. Mm-hmm. And I've just learned to live with a, a little bit of extra dust mm-hmm. or a little bit of things that maybe aren't looking exactly the way that I want to because they're not my best and highest use of time. I'm very clear that this this is what's important to me. And if it gets in the way of that or if it's going to take away from that, then I have to realize I, I cannot do it all. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? 
let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Um, Tell me about the household manager role. This is something that is popping up more often in conversations that I'm having with, with podcast guests and friends is that they are using a household manager. So what exactly does a household manager do for y'all or? Yeah. So, um, I'd like to think I was the the matriarch of this concept. I'm going to call myself that. Um, (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Well, I think it was really important because when I started having this conversation, it was still at the point where many of my mom friends would say to me, Shauna, I feel like I'm supposed to do those things Mm -hmm. as a good mom. And I think it was a reframe. I am a great mom because I know what I am good at doing and I delegate the other things that are not my best, or my highest use of time. So um, we had a household manager. We, we've had several. We've been very, very fortunate. You know, they, they they are true partners to your family to make the household run smoothly. And so when we worked with them, and, you know, the pandemic changed a lot of things for us. We, we stopped having people inside of our home with frequency, but, uh, you know, the Amazon returns, because those things are annoying. You have to go really? back to the store, right? Mm-hmm. So all the returns, grocery shopping, laundry for our child. And there was the a light meal prep on certain occasions, uh, helping with addressing all the Thanksgiving cards that we send every year. I mean, I love sending those cards, but like the stamping and the whatever, it's like a lot. So it was really just anything that felt like a way to help me focus on being present with my child for the meal times, for the times that mattered most that we decided. And it was a really wonderful thing that helped us do what we needed to do to get to where we are professionally and personally. You're right. Letting things go and delegating, giving up those things that we feel like we should be doing just have so much potential to open up our time for, and and I love the way that you say, the best and highest use of your time. I run into the same exact thing with friends who feel that they should be that they should organize their pantries or they should organize their closets. I should be the one to do this. I should be the one to clean out my kids' playroom. I should be the one to do this. Why am I not good at this? And they're not mm-hmm. doing it. They're not mm-hmm. they're not making it happen and it's weighing on them. Uh, but they feel that like they sh- feel that they should do it or else like you said they're not being a quote unquote good mom when actually hiring an organizer or outsourcing someone to clean their home would give them so much more presence and space and peace of mind to just show up as their best self. Yes. I think we start to feel so guilty about Mm -hmm. time. I mean, it really does carry this sense of burden and shame that like we're not using our time correctly, whatever that means. And (laughs) I, uh, you know, I, I think that for women in particular to, you know, guilt is when we let other people determine what our priorities are. Ooh. And that when we are focused on worrying about what we didn't do, we're worrying about what we're supposed to do, we're not present. And in particular, I, 
I want women to be able to release themselves from this guilt. Mm -hmm. You can be disappointed. You can be frustrated. You can wish that you could do lots of things. But the guilt, it just – it detracts from our being our best selves. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I, I think that that – it took me a while, you know, and I still, you know, will wake up at the crack of dawn on some days to try to, like, do the extra thing at home. But I am choosing to do it right now rather than feeling like I'm supposed to do it. And that, that really changes the mindset and, and comfort that I feel with the choices that I make. Mm -hmm. It releases the burden. It yeah. releases the heavy weight that you carry of that guilt. That's that's wonderful. So you have gotten very comfortable with delegating. You've worked with a household manager. You schedule everything and make sure that you have a realistic idea of how you're spending your time. What else? What, mm -hmm. are, what are some of the other systems or methods that help keep the train on the tracks? So I'm a big believer in doing what you can in 15 minutes. Like Ooh. this is my this is my trick. So I often tell this to, you know, when I was a team leader or um, you know, clients that I'm coaching that um, when we talk about this best and highest use of time concept, um, we often don't focus on the things that are um, important but not urgent. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we're like, oh, well, I, I need two hours to do that project. I need four hours to do the pantry. I need whatever that time is that we think. Well, who has that much time? <laughs> so, um, but we often do find that we have these 15-minute increments, you know? And so what, what I have found is that if I'm really clear on what is important, even if it's not urgent, I break it up into parts. And I say, what can I get done in these 15 minutes to move forward to make progress on this bigger goal. Mm. And I, you know, I joked with you before that like my time productivity tips may not be the ones that everybody uses, but for me, what it does is that like I'm not interested in responding to the email in five minutes just because I have five minutes. If it is not my best and highest use of time and I can use those five minutes to make progress on the bigger, more important goal, mm -hmm. then that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And that has really changed things for me. I've seen it change things for my team members too, because it stops being about everybody else's to-do list mm -hmm. and it starts being about yours. Oh, yes. It's owning, owning the to-do list, owning how you'll spend your time and making proactive choices rather than letting things happen to you and letting other people's priorities and their needs and their requests uh, butt in and jumble up the plans that you've made for yourself. Now, we do need to still be adaptable mm -hmm. at times because life changes. We've got to pivot. Circumstances change. But stepping into having that ownership of your time really is the first step to good time management. Yes. And then the, the last thing I'll say is my mom, when I was growing up, would often tell me to just be. I was always doing something. I was doing 50-somethings usually at the same time. And she would say, Sean, you know, uh, let's just be. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't just be anything. I am just being on the go. I am just – I've got to do something else, another activity, another – thing. And, and it, I did, I loved it. Like I thrive on that kind of, mm -hmm. but as I've gotten older, I have learned the power in using your time to just be, mm -hmm. to just be content, to just um, sit on the sofa, to read the book, to um, do something that's not on your to-do list in the sense of I have to be productive today. And it took me a really, really long time into my life to be comfortable with that. But when I gave myself permission to just mm -hmm. be, then it made me more focused and more energized to do the things that I did need to do 
when it was the time to really work on those. So I'm I'm listening in and I'm I'm hearing, okay, just be. What is what does that mean for me? What is my to-do list for just being? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then let me think, okay, well that may that might not be the right thing to the right way to think about it. Um, but just be that that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. It sounds kind of hard, mm-hmm. especially when you are very to-do list and time-driven and achievement-oriented. How often do you just be? <laughs> so here's an example. When we went to the beach this summer as a family, um, it's the idea that I would you know, instead of feeling like I needed to do something, I needed to have an activity for us, mm-hmm. I was content to let let the day just kind of unfold. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit about that joke about like, I can go with the flow, but what time is the flow? Like, right. Is there a dress code? Right, Will right. Will there be street like, parking? When does it start? Um, <laughs> and I, I think that this is an evolution of being able to um, just be present. Mm-hmm. And that means something different for everyone. But for me, it meant – um, I didn't need to like go run 25 errands. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, I could go get something from the store. Yeah, it'd be great if I went ahead and planned for Friday. But today, I'm just going to be content to be present, to just just hang out with my family or uh, just read this book or just take a walk. And I think it is a conscious choice to say I'm spending my time this way, mm-hmm. but I'm not dictating that this has to achieve a goal mm, with my mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But again, it took me a long time in my life to get to this point. And I do think it comes with age. And I do think it comes with having uh, your children are not pulling on you and needing from something from you all of the time. But um, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything anymore when mm. I'm being. And that's powerful too. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking about this concept of just being. And it – Reminds me of a moment that I had with my girls recently where I was sitting on the floor with them and playing toys. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I really need to fold laundry. I really need to fold laundry. I really need to clear off the kitchen island. And I was also thinking, okay, I really need to make sure that I'm ready for XYZ with work. But then I thought for a second, okay, what are those things for? The work is to support my family. Clearing off the kitchen island is to create a happy home for my family. Folding laundry is so the girls will have clothes and so that things will be, and and I had to ask myself, what is it all for? And it's all for them. So enjoy this time sitting on the floor right now, playing with them and let the rest just be for later. Mm-hmm. This is what it's all for right here. We do the work so that we can sp- spend time so that we can give our families the life that we want them to have. We clear off the counter to, you know, improve, you know, what our home feels like. But that playing on the floor, like, oh no, this is why I work. This is why we do what we do. And so, I think when you talk about taking time to just be, for me that is an example of it a time is. to just be. So, okay, I've got this. I can do You've got I, this. You can do it. It's it's the presence, right? It's the it's the choice of presence and I think it's beautiful and and you know, sometimes it takes the self-talk in order to use our time 
this way because we can convince ourselves of 400 other things that we should be doing. But you leaned into it and I bet the girls loved it. And those are the things they're going to remember the most. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I hope so. So speaking of finding pockets of time to get things done, so you've recently written your book and you are in the final, actually tomorrow, as this episode is going live, tomorrow is the day that your book is out into the world. Tell us, what is your book about? And just give us everything. Tell, <laughs> tell me all about it. I, uh, I, I just tell me all about it. Sure. I know. Tomorrow, I can't. Uh, it's like a little bit unreal. So One Bold Move a Day is a roadmap to help women make meaningful actions to advance their career, develop as a leader, and grow as a person through a single measurable act each day. A bold move. Just and, one? Well, yes. So the concept is if you make this one bold move a day, that you will feel motivated, inspired, and supported um, to be able to make them again. Now, the realistically, you might make several throughout mm -hmm. the day, but that can feel unattainable if I say, you know, go out there and make 25 bold moves today. Good luck. Have fun. Oh, that Bye. sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so the, it's, the, it's the conscious effort. I can do this today. I can do one bold move today. And when we talk about a bold move, you know, it sounds like something you're going to like all caps text to a friend or like see on a billboard. I did this thing. But a bold move is something you define for yourself, mm -hmm. and it is a meaningful action that helps you grow, learn, and move forward. And so on one day, it might be that you ask the barista to fix your coffee order because they didn't do it right, or you ask someone to pronounce your name correctly, even though you feel uncomfortable about it. But yeah, it could also be about moving across the country or taking a new job or starting a new relationship. One bold move a day. First of all, it sounds very attainable. We can take one bold move a day. And when you define that a bold move can be anything from, like you said, asking for the correct coffee order, standing up for yourself in a small way like that, that bold moves don't always have to be these giant splashy things. Um, tell me some more examples of bold moves, just so we can get an idea of how we can think about taking bold moves in our own life. Sure. Well, I mean, I think about so many times when we're in a meeting mm -hmm. and we have an idea or somebody asks a question and we know the answer, but we're not being asked specifically. Mm -hmm. And that little tiny voice in our head says, oh, and I don't think that you should be the one to speak up right now or no, let, 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 let's let someone else do that. And it's especially when that tiny voice comes into our head where we think, should I do this or should I not? That choice, that's the bold move. So speaking up in the meeting, um, asking for a promotion, it could be um, – you know, nurturing the relationship you have with your children, the way that you um, talked about spending time with them just a few minutes ago, that uh, bold moves are both personal and professional. And that's what I love so much about this book is it's it's not a career guide. There's certainly things in there about your career and your leadership. Those are so important. But uh, spending time with people who are important to you, building those relationships both at work and at home, those are bold moves too. Really? Oh, I I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to dive into it. And I, I'm sure that you're going to tell us all about how to do this in the book, but how can we find the time in to make these bold moves? Uh, I completely, I understand the, 
the meeting example and the correcting the coffee order example. Those aren't things that you need to schedule. But what about those bold moves that you know, help you grow as a person or a professional when we already have so much on our plates? How do we find time for this? Sure. Well, they are sometimes the doors that we that are open for us that we pay attention to. And sometimes we have to create them for ourselves. And so if you're thinking about, you know, it's time for me to go out on my own as an entrepreneur. And there's a part in the book about having a side hustle and making decisions about entrepreneurship. Um, there's no perfect time for anything. And there's definitely no perfect time for that. But there are things that you can do. And this goes back to the prioritization matrix we talked about. Mm -hmm. Okay, if my goal is X, what are six things I need to do to work toward that goal? Okay. okay. So I need to take this part. How am I thinking about this on my calendar? How am I – I've got 15 minutes today. What am I going to do to work toward that goal? Maybe today I'm going to spend time looking at finances and I'm going to open up a business bank account mm -hmm. or I'm going to send an email to a potential mentor who can help me in understanding some things about this business I want to start. Now, all of that is a bold move. Mm -hmm. And all of that is working toward kind of that big idea, bold move. And and it's going back to that to-da list. I, I call mine a win of the day. Oh, yes. When you, are, um, when you make these bold moves, that you celebrate them, mm -hmm. celebrating progress on them. And so you're not necessarily having to uh, create time because that's impossible. You mm -hmm. are proactively using your time. You're focusing on your best and highest, and you're making this commitment to yourself. Talk to me a little bit about celebrating progress because that can be something that's First of all, very difficult. It, it's hard. We're reluctant to celebrate our progress for a few reasons. Either we don't think that the progress is big enough to celebrate, or we don't feel that we are worthy of uh, calling attention to the thing that we've just done. Because for so, for many of us, we grew up in environments or we were educated in environments where you don't toot your own horn. Mm -hmm. You don't toot any horns. Mm -hmm. uh, you just put your head down and do the work. How can we celebrate our progress, but why? Why is celebrating our progress so important? So celebrating progress, the progress mindset, is one of the fundamental four foundational mindsets to creating the bold move mindset. And the reason it's so important is that things will not always go as you've hoped or planned when you make your bold moves. Like we just know this. It's just not going to all happen the way that you wish that it would just because you do. Mm -hmm. And so when, when things go awry – you are either focused on the fact that it didn't work right and therefore it's never going to work, or you think, you know what I did? I did something I've never done before today. Mm -hmm. I put myself out there in a really important way, and I'm focused on that instead. Mm -hmm. And when you celebrate on the learning that came from it or the growth that came from it, it makes you much more encouraged to do this again the next day. And so for me, I was so busy doing the next thing, I often didn't stop to say, well, look how much you've already accomplished. And um, when I started to do that, it was an important move for me um, to really try to give credit to myself. It was also really important for me as a leader of people mm -hmm. because it was a reminder that it is my job as a leader to value and recognize my staff in many different ways. And the, the book talks about some ways to do that, but to celebrate their progress, both as their leader and to help them celebrate it with each other because I do fundamentally believe that progress is more important than productivity. Mm -hmm. So that I think has been really um, one of those things that people say resonates with them and mm -hmm. being able to have permission and encouragement to celebrate their own progress. Mm -hmm. uh, 
100%. Progress is more important than productivity because productivity is just the doing of things. It is the creation and the output of units. But progress is growth. Progress is forward movement. And so I am right there with you. Now, a lot of times when I have been encouraged to celebrate wins in the past, my mind often goes to, okay, so am I supposed to pop a bottle of champagne every time? Am I supposed to go out to a fancy dinner? How how exactly are we supposed to celebrate all this stuff? Do you have some recommendations on ways that we can celebrate small wins without popping a bottle of champagne every time? I mean, that sounds pretty fun for... <laughs> I mean, expensive after a while, <laughs> that's, that's though. That's true. That's true. Well, you know, I think we have to redefine what celebration means. Um, I have found over time that celebration means honoring my own my own self, my own progress. And that doesn't have to be, you know, that doesn't have to be anything more than me pausing to be present and giving credit to myself. And um, sure, some of those bold moves will involve, you know, champagne or a celebration with other people or some kind of special treat or recognition that you, you know, have set out for yourself. But um, celebration is something we all could deserve a little bit more of. Mm -hmm. So if we make it so that it's something that's unattainable because it has to be a big thing, Mm -hmm. then we're missing out on the joy that we can have every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't always have to be a massage or champagne or something that's even expensive. It can can just be that moment of self-recognition and just thinking, hey, I I did this. Mm -hmm. I we did it. I did it. We did it. We made it. So when it comes to making one bold move a day, we're looking at every day. We're we're looking at trying to make some type of small progress, ownership over our lives, um, growth personally, professionally, cultivating relationships. What happens if we fall off the track? What happens if we miss a few days of bold moves and we we, we step back. Um, how can we get started again? Or, 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 you know, what happens if we suddenly feel like we can't make bold moves? You know, what, what do we do with, with consistency in our progress? Okay. So first I want to say it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I think we have to go into it with that mindset that we are going to make mistakes. We are going to hear something in our head that we should do and not do it. It is what do we do with that experience? How did I learn from that? How did I grow from that? What am I recognizing for next time? And here is one of the strategies that I have for when things go awry or when you're feeling like, I just can't do this anymore right now. And it is what I call the add a girl folder. When I was an intern in college, my then mentor came to me with this blank manila folder and she said to me, this is your add a girl folder. And I was like, um, I'm sorry, what? And she said, this is the folder that you need to fill with your notes and accolades and accomplishments. And you look back at it on the hard days. And Anna, this has been, this is now a true, like essential foundation of who I am. So I have my Atta Girl sitting right behind me on my bookshelf. And um, I, it is it is something I've, my most prized possession I've taken with me in every job that I've been in. And it is the the note that you get from your boss or from your client or from your donor. It is the card that recognizes the the milestone that you've achieved. Sometimes I write notes to myself to go into my Atta Girl folder too because I don't have to wait 
anymore for everybody else to recognize me. At the end of that special day, I make a note to myself. And so having this add a girl folder is something that just knowing that it is there, it reminds me of how much I've already done and how much I've already served this world. And it gives me the strength to pick up again on the really hard days. And as a leader of teams, um, it is something I gave to every new team member who worked with me. And now I do this with my clients. And it's a part of the book. And it's just a part of who I am. And I think it can be a wonderful part of anybody's first bold move that they want to make. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I absolutely love this. The add a girl folder. I think that if you are listening right now and you are excited about making your bold moves, really sounds like creating your own add a girl folder is a great place to start. Shauna, it has been just an absolute delight to spend time with you today. I always love talking with you and just keeping up with what you're doing and how you're serving and how you're leading and modeling for us the ways that we can make our own bold moves and step into who we are even further let us know how can we continue to stay in touch and learn from you and where can we get a copy of your book? Okay. Well, I always love talking to you too. I have to say that first, that you have a beautiful energy that you bring to the world and not just your wisdom, but your energy. And it's been really fun to talk with you today. I was just as excited just to talk with you as I am to talk with your whole audience. So (laughs) so let's definitely continue the conversation, you and me. And of course, I'd love to continue with everyone listening. Uh, My website is shaunaahawking.com. And uh, I'm active on LinkedIn at Shauna A. Hawking and as well as Instagram, same thing. And um, the book is available at all of your favorite bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org. Your favorite local bookstore is probably carrying it. And I've got more information on my website at oneboldmoveaday.com. So, so exciting. I am just thrilled to celebrate this with you, this bold move that is the result of so many bold moves that came before it. Uh, Thank you again so much for joining me, for for being here, and for just sharing your, your wisdom and your experience and your encouragement with all of us. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Shauna. Thank you. Thank you. It was super fun. And there you have it. What will your one bold move be today? Will you take time for yourself? Will you stand up for yourself? Speak for yourself? Will you introduce yourself to someone new? Will you step up and take hold of a new opportunity? Will you create your own add a girl folder? I know I am. How will you define the best and highest use of your time? I know that after this conversation, I was so inspired and ready to make lots of bold moves, and I hope you feel just as excited and motivated as I do. You can find links to the productivity tools that Shauna mentioned, including links to her website and her book over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 149. And don't forget that you can head straight to grab a copy of Shauna's book by visiting abouttimepodcast.com forward slash bold. All right, before we go, let me tell you about next week's episode, episode 150. First of all, it's unreal to be arriving at episode 150, and I'm so grateful to you for being a listener and supporting me along the way. 
In episode 150, I'll be chatting with Jenny Eversole, founder of Stylespace. We'll be talking about how to save time by creating a capsule wardrobe for yourself. Uh, permission to shop? Yes, please. So be sure to tune in to meet Jenny. I'll see you there. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.